Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Bryson Wright and Alex Winton. They got next, so let's get to the show. Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, joined with my co-host, Alex Winton. And we've got a lot of talk to talk about, even though this is basically kind of like our first off-season pod. This is the last game we were still talking about the end of the season. So I count this as our really our first off-season pod. Uh, we've had some big news since the last pod. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with the first order of business today is the all-defensive teams were dropped. And we had two Grizzlies on the all-defensive team, starting with Jaron Jackson Jr. on first team and Dylan Brooks made second team. Uh, rest of the teams were Brooke Lopez, Alex Caruso, Evan Mobley, and Drew Holiday for first team. Second team was Bam Adebayo, OG Ananobi, Draymond Green, Derek White, and then, as like I said, Dylan Brooks. So good for the Grizzlies. I mean, they had a top five defense all season, especially once Jaron came back. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to get two players on the all-defensive teams. Uh, Jaron was a lock. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year, so you knew that he was going to make that. But I think it's also good for Dylan, too. Yeah, um, I think with Jaron, obviously, usually those guys are locked. I know there have been a few times where, like, a defensive guy, like a, a defensive player has made first team. I think it's like a couple. I think It was Mark Gasol. Yeah, Mark. Mark was one of them. I know Mark was one of them. But, uh, yeah, I think well, this is this is Jaron's second, right, second year in a row. Um, when I look at everybody else. I mean, he's the he's. I mean, there's a few first. Oh, actually, not a few. There's a lot of first timers. I mean, Dylan, OG, Derek White, Evan Mobley. Obviously, Drew made this is fifth. Draymond's eighth. So you got a few guys that have been there. But um, yeah, it was good to see Dylan and Jaren get there. Especially, obviously, I know this is like a regular season thing. So some people worry that, or not really worried, but there was conversation that people like Dylan might miss because of the playoff performance. But really, there wasn't. I didn't really worry about it because a lot of this is done right at the end of the regular season. And, I mean, regular season-wise, like you said, defense was top five for majority of the year when Jaron got back. Um, and, honestly, still was a good defensive team in the playoffs, obviously, holding up. But, um, yeah, no, nah, you're usually – especially when you you have Jaron like him as a defensive player of the year, level player. Well, I mean, is, well, he is a defensive player of the year. But my point is when you have a talent like him, you're probably going to always – have these oh you might have an extra one or two guys on the defensive team too not to say like Dylan didn't do anything either like he had some play in it obviously but like you know it it always is going to help you're going to see a lot more guys or like teams having this type of success um where you have like three or four I'm gonna say three or four guys but like two or three guys on the defensive team like the Bucks have had um with like Drew Brooke Giannis over the last three or four years yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't know who else will be. I know that Desmond Bain actually got a singular he got a, oh, all defensive crazy. team vote, which I didn't really see that. But <laughs> like, honestly, even as a person, yeah, who's even though he's a Desmond solid Bain defender. fan, like he he's a solid defender. But that that did shock me. Uh, but starting with the two guys that actually made it, we got to start with Jaron because Jaron Jackson Jr. actually made history officially. He's the youngest player at 23 years old to have multiple first team all defensive nods and a defensive player of the year at just 23 years old. I know he got drafted when he was 18, so that does help him a little bit. But it's still just insane to think about that he really – he hasn't had a fully healthy season, and he's already done that. Uh, like, he he's missed part of every year going back and missed most of a full season going into his third year. So this is a dude who's missed time, and he's still on track to have a really good 
his, really a historic defensive career if he continues. Because if you look at the way he's playing and the way that the Grizzlies' defense is the way that it works, he is going to get many more of these. Like, this is not the last time he's going to be first team on defense. It's probably not the last time he's going to be defensive player of the year either. So to already be at this point at such a young age, it's really setting him up to have a historic defensive player, not defensive player, a defensive career, just in terms of accolades. Not to say that he's going to be the greatest defender ever or anything like that, but he at such a young age, he's putting him, he's putting himself on a pedestal with very few other guys that have ever done stuff like this, and it's really cool to see. Also, two years in a row leading the NBA in blocks per game, that's huge. Shoe back-to-back block champion. So shout out to him for a great season, and I'm glad that he got the respect that he deserves. Yeah, I am too. Um, as you were talking about, like the resume, his I'm not saying resume is crazy, but by 23 is is, is looking pretty good. I mean, I I tweeted back and somebody said something like. Jared's Hall of Fame resume loading. It was funny. And then I just listed off the accolades because, you know, I mean, he got all-star, defensive player of the year. Like you said, two-time block leader, two-time first team on defense. And that's about 23. And that's, like you said, the, the in terms of being healthy, he hasn't played a full season. His healthiest season was last year. But even this season was his second healthiest in 63 games played because it was 58 games, 57, 11, then 78, then 63. So, um, and again, like, a lot of like a lot of these like and the thing is he can be so much better. That's the thing. Like even though he's really good defensively, like he took a leap even in this year and still has stuff he can clean up. Like he can still be a better rebounder. He could probably still be a better perimeter defender on certain aspects. Obviously, he can clean up the fouling a little bit um, because and and you know to stay on the floor um and not go for every block still but obviously he's going to go for blocks like that's going to happen like i'm not saying this again this foul rate's not going to be like 2.5 probably always going to be in the threes but it could instead of being 3.8 it could be three like right at three and that's a, such a game changer that could get you from 28 minutes to 32 minutes and then if he's already getting two three blocks at 28 minutes per game i can only imagine what he can get at 32 minutes you know what i mean what type of records he could get um so yeah he's gonna break a lot of defensive records obviously with the grizzlies just because you know he's been here like you said since he was 18 basically or 19 coming in so a lot of his records by then like not only him but you know you got they bane Ja, or yeah and Ja, they're gonna have records of their own too um as long as they're here so but for jaren it's gonna be like not only franchise records but he'll probably have some nba records because I mean, he was what the second youngest defense player of the year. So like, yeah. I mean, and he's probably not like you said. This is probably not going to be the last one. I mean, because again, like he's twenty three. So like I said, I mean, I I mean, listen, and and we've seen in these playoffs at least a little bit. Like the rim protection changes the whole complexity of it. Like I know people are talking about you know us against the Lakers, but like eighty is still showing like that rim protection is always going to be at a premium. It's always going to be. So when you got somebody like Jaron on your team, you're always going to be at least healthy, you're always going to be a contender year in and year out if you're building the team correctly. So, um, yeah, no, this is only the start. Yeah, for sure. And I think that for him, like staying on the court with the foul things this year, I think did help a lot because when you look at, I I know that people still like held it against him a little bit when it came to the voting, but it really felt like a lot of the minutes per game wasn't just because of fouls. I feel like he did get in foul trouble a lot more when Steven Adams went down. But when they were playing with another traditional center, I felt like he really didn't get in foul trouble a lot until after Steven Adams went down. So I think that was a positive. 
I think that he's getting better in that aspect, and that's just going to continue to help him. Like, you look at this year, even though he played less games, I think he played, what, 15 less games? He broke his record for franchise record for total blocks in 15 less games. So it's like that shows you what just staying on the court can do for him, even in less minutes. Like, he did not play as much as he did last year and also being smarter about when to go for blocks. And I think you saw, like, it was almost like there were some times when he backed off, but it was like every time he went for a block, it felt like he got it most of the season. There there were less times where he went for a block and it was a foul or he went for a block and they scored over him. It was a lot of times, like, if he went for the block, he was he was sending it off the backboard a couple times. So he had some great ones on Embiid, too. So just all around, it was a really great defensive season for Jaron. And I, I know both of us are really glad that he's getting this recognition. I really thought that last year when he made first-team all-defense, I thought that was kind of like the precursor to him being a defensive player of the year because it really showed that people are actually watching what he does on the defensive end and then to make it again this year over players like you know Giannis and stuff like that. Uh, and then last year making first team over Bam when Bam at the time was really seen as like the defensive big man really uh, by a lot of people across the country. So to see him get the amount of votes and also not only win defense player of the year, but be the leading vote getter for the all defensive team. It's just really good to see the way that he's kind of like I said, he's finally getting the credit that I feel like he deserved last year, too. Uh, I know he made first team all defense, too, but I still feel like he was a little underrated. You know, people were talking more about is he just chasing blocks? He fouls too much, all that. They still have a little bit of that, but I think more people have kind of came around and realized the level of defender he really is. And then we got to move on to the other Grizzly that made an all defensive team with Dylan Brooks and the main thing about Dylan is I know the last time we talked about he's probably not coming back. It's now official that he isn't coming back. He's not going to come back. So the real question is, does does this all defensive team, does this actually raise his value? I know that a lot of people were talking about in the playoffs he tanked his value because he didn't play well. You know, the whole trash thing with LeBron, all of that trash talking stuff. And then just didn't play up to his standard. And a lot of people, and I agree, I think it definitely did hurt him a little bit, but I feel like, you know, getting an all defensive team and stuff like that, it kind of solidifies himself. It solidifies him as one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh, I know that he has always thought he was that. And a lot of people that follow the Grizzlies have thought that as well, but I'm also glad for him to get some recognition too, because he hasn't gotten that recognition yet. So this, this, I think this is really big for Dylan. And I think it will help him when he goes out to the market this year. And it might even help the Grizzlies if they decide to maybe get a sign and trade and try to get something back for him. Yeah. um, That's what I was going to touch on really is the sign and trade aspect of the value. Cause I mean, I think obviously like his value got hurt from the start of the year to now. Because there was a lot of talks about him getting like 15 and 17 per year in million. Like, that's what most people were talking about. Now, most are talking about like eight, nine. So, he definitely did take his value in a contract year, um, which you usually don't see a lot of. But even in spite of that, like I said, there were some positives, obviously, in it. Because, again, he got an all defensive team. And again, there's only 10 people that make it. So, you know, you got to, you know, when you make one of those teams, obviously, people are going to look at that. And um, but when you talk about his value, I think if the Grizzlies do Grizzlies and his team, obviously his agent, this do decide on a signing trade. I mean, you do have some type of potential to make some deals. Um, 
I think may like you know I, I'm trying to think of one team, but maybe like a Detroit could need a guy like him. Like it's probably going to be teams that are rebuilding, like Houston, maybe Detroit. And obviously, I know there's some been some reports about uh, contending, like contending teams like the Heat and Bucks wanting him potentially. That's like just you know what people are just guessing. Obviously, sports books are making stuff like that up, like you know who's the next team, stuff like that. So. But like you know, you can have those type of teams like 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 I said with Detroit, where they got like a guy like Alec Burks. Um, you could do a sign and trade like that. Um, I'm trying to think of another team like. Um, let me think. Really, just like a. I mean, Cavs could do something like that. They can need somebody. It could be different teams where you could maybe get a player back or get an asset back. I don't know how the Grizz will gauge it for real, obviously, because again, they might not even do a sign and trade. They might just be like, hey, like we're done with him completely and his agent might you know his team they might be like nah we're not gonna do it but i mean it would be nice to because obviously most people are are thinking about man they're just letting dylan walk away from nothing you know what i mean where they're like oh well if you want to let him walk away from nothing you could have just traded him last year or done something mm-hmm. to get some, some some value back See, and and that was a big thing that i was saying earlier in the season is i thought that if they were going to trade him they should have tried to trade him at the deadline rather than to let him walk in free agency. Because especially now that that report has come out, I think you're going to be it's going to be hard to find a team that actually is willing to sign and trade when they know yeah. that they can sign Dylan as an unrestricted free agent. Like, there is no reason to sign and trade for him unless Dylan Brooks is just like, oh, well, no, I'm not going unless it's a sign and trade. And I don't know if Dylan has the pull to do that right now. You know, I don't know if he has the pull to be like, I'm not signing unless it's a sign and trade. And I don't know if there's a lot of teams that would be like, okay, yeah, that's fine, especially when it's something they don't have to do. So I, I, that's why I feel like the whole under any circumstances thing that came out with the Sham Sharani report, I was like, it doesn't make any sense. People were talking about, is that on the Grizzlies front office? It would make no sense for the Grizzlies front office to release that. And if they did release it, it was stupid of them to do it. But that's exactly. why I'm like, it is. It would not make any sense for them to release that because it lose it loses leverage with these other teams. So if these other teams now know, oh, there's no way Dylan Brooks is going back to the Grizzlies. Well, there's no reason to sign a trade for him then. And I think that that is something that could hurt. It, it could hurt the Grizzlies in the long run, not getting anything back for Dylan. But if they continue to make the right moves around that, I think that they can still supplement that. But it would be really nice if they could get something back for Dylan. It just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case right now. Yeah, because my thing is, to your point about that report, everybody, it showed me, I'm going to just talk about it real quick. It showed me that nobody, and I, I get it, we're the Grizzlies, so most people, even though we're talked about, most people are not keeping up with us like they should. It just told mm-hmm. me that nobody like listened to the exit interviews because there was a narrative going around that the Grizzlies were trying to blame Dylan as like the scapegoat. When clearly every the, the five most important people in this franchise, the GM, the coach, and the three best players, all took accountability and were like, hey, we you know we got to be better as leaders, players, individuals, as a team. Collective. Like they were all saying at the whole press conference. Like they were saying that the whole time. So nobody was really – and even in that article, in that report, Sham said that Dylan and his agent and the Grizzlies front office agreed to sit mutual ways. So why is that not the headline? Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. So, like, of course, like you know what I mean. Like, it be like it just seems like they obviously viewed made it that way to push whatever agenda or narrative they had, and so people just ran with it. You know, Kendrick Perkins is running well. The Grizzlies are doing it wrong, and people on Twitter just I'm like, bro, like the Grizzlies wouldn't 
usually do that. Like they they didn't want that to get out. Like even Tim McMahon was saying that. Like I'm pretty he, like he didn't like he's saying like they're pretty sure they probably didn't say that. Like they wouldn't want to tank value. Like they're not dumb. Like they obviously are not that dumb to that point. They built a good team. I know there's some luck involved, but they had to build this team. Like it wasn't like they just you know group had to just had Desmond Bain and John Moran on the roster and all that. Like they had to build this team, so they're not that dumb. You know to do all that. So, um, but I would like to see us get some value from Dylan. But I'm not going to be like shocked if we don't. Like I won't be like losing sleep over it or anything. Like I'll be like, okay, like it is what it is because they got enough assets to still make moves even if you don't get assets from Dylan. Like going somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, they still have the other assets that if they need to make some moves. And I think that's why it's less worrisome. Uh, but talking like from Dylan's standpoint, I do think. Everybody made the jokes and stuff in in the playoffs. Like, I get it. He played bad. But I think that most NBA teams and front offices do understand that he does provide value. Like, he's a valuable piece, especially when you look at the the small forward market this year from a free agent standpoint is really thin. Like, there's not a lot of guys that are really open that are free agents. So there's a lot of people that you would have to trade for because a lot of them are under contract. Dylan... Honestly, if you really look around the league, he might be the best small forward that is a free agent. Like, he, he might be the best one. I mean, when you look at the numbers, as, as much as he did have a bad postseason, the regular season, we saw him not this year, but the year before, he was averaging like what, 18 a game. So this is a dude that has shown he can score consistently in the NBA. He can be uh, an all-NBA level defender now. You, you can take that into negotiations. So I do think that, the All-NBA, it'll help him in his negotiations. I don't think it's going to completely – it's not going to, like, skyrocket his value or anything, I don't think. But I think it's just something that he can bring into these negotiations and maybe be like, you know, hey, I'm an All-NBA defender. So regardless of what you think about what he does on offense, he can go there and be, you know, I, I am one of the 10 best defenders in the NBA voted by the media. And – that means something in today's league, especially when it's such an offensive league. I think it really is important to be a person who kind of like hangs your hat on defense. And I think that's the biggest thing as to why, even though Dylan did play bad, a lot of people are still worried about, well, if he's not going to be there and the replacement has to be of that same level. And I mean, you look at one of the replacements in po- a possible replacement people have talked about in OGN and OB also made the all defensive team. So that could be something that could also help us and. Uh, if you're talking about somebody who can replace him, well, this is another guy who made all all defense. So that's something, just another another thing to point out about OG too. But that's another that's a topic for another pod because we could go into that forever. Uh, but before we move on to our next topic, just shout out, like I said, shout out to Jaren, shout out to Dylan. I know Dylan is on his way out. Shout out to Dylan for every like, hey, as much as you want to say about Dylan, that man played his heart out every single possession. You know, he might have missed shots. He might have taken some bad shots at times. But I never questioned his will to win. Like, you could tell that he he was always out there, and he always did his – he did his best. And I don't think anybody should really have hard feelings for Dylan. I know that people are going to get their jokes off, but, like, this is a dude who was really important. And, yeah, yeah, Alex – Alex don't get his jokes (laughs) off. Yeah, I don't get my jokes off. But yeah. he always played hard. He did always play hard. I can I can at least I can salute that. He always played hard for real. Like no 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 fun. Like all seriousness, he always played hard. So I I never had to doubt about that for real. For sure. But uh, the next thing we got to talk about is all defense came out. 
but we also had all NBA and we got to talk about John Morant did not make all NBA. Now, both of us said that we weren't sure if he was going to make it. I was leaning that he wasn't going to make it, but this is what I'll say. Was John Morant snubbed? I say yes, because if you look at his numbers, he was good enough to make all NBA. The reason he didn't make all NBA is because of the suspension. Like, and it's, it's a hundred percent. That's the truth. Now, whether or not you want to say that's right or wrong, like people can argue that all the time, but looking at it from a basketball perspective, perspective, when you have a dude that is averaging, I think what, 27, six and eight, uh, I was looking at my guy, Sean Coleman's tweet the other day. He was saying nobody in the history of the NBA has ever averaged that and then not made all NBA. Right. Especially even with 60, only 63 games played. Everybody that's done that in the past and made All-NBA. So I think the biggest thing comes down to this. If Ja had missed those nine games because he sprained his ankle or something like that, and it was like an injury that caused him to miss those extra nine games, I think that he would have made All-NBA. And I also think that the timing really hurt him as well because the timing goes right after the All-Star break and everything like that. And that's when... The general public, I feel like, really starts to kind of get into the NBA is like after the NFL season is over, like the people that aren't the big, you know, big fans. And that was such a big story. And it happened so late in the season that it felt like he didn't have enough time when he came back to kind of like rebuild his image or like rebuild his case and kind of show you know oh he's come back and he's still this great player like I feel like if he had if he had had like 25 games after he came back instead of I think he only played like 10 or something like that he didn't play a lot of games once he came back if he had a longer time even after he came back and more time for people to kind of forget about the incident like when before the voting I think he probably could have made it too uh, but that being said, I do not think the reason he didn't make it is because of his stats. Like he, he was good enough to make it. I think it's pretty clear the reason he didn't make it is because of the off the court stuff. Yeah, definitely. It, I, I was saying on Twitter, man, just again, man, it is what it is. I didn't expect not one Grizzly to make the All-NBA team. Not saying they're not deserving because I know some were talking about Jaron and I thought, like I said, he made too much of a late surge at the end and then more so if it's a body of work thing. Um, so, you know, he did his scoring a little bit too late, obviously, to get his numbers up. And then Ja, obviously, again, just made a dumb decision. So, again, like, I know people – because I think one of my boys, uh, Steven, said it. Uh, basically, Ja lost 39 – I think it's 39, 40 million off of just the Instagram line because I think it went from five years, 194, and if he would have made an all-NBA team, it would have been like five years, 233. And now, granted, yep. he's going to be fine. It's not like he's going to, you know, like his, like his contract is going to be all right. But again, like you hope this is a step in the right direction for him in the sense of understanding that, again, like you were talking about, like it's not that we know this is a politics thing. Like it's all a politics thing. And we're, again, like you said, regardless of if you think it's right or wrong, politics have always been part of every league. It's a business at the end of the day. NBA is a professional league and it's a business at the end of the day. And when you are one of the people like John Morant, who is one of the future faces of the league, potentially are one of the most popular players that this sport has. And you you have to know what you relatively can do and cannot do. And so when you start doing stuff that 
reflects bad upon upon that brand, they will do stuff to make sure and let you know and send a message and be like, hey, get your act together or else this can be, this can continue. Like, it, it's going to happen. Like, I think somebody said it, but like, I think Bill Simmons and I forgot who else said it, basically said like on their podcast, they didn't vote for job because of the off, off, like, like the off court stuff. Because we know if, if he didn't have the off court stuff, he would have got Dame spot. Like, I'm just being real. Like, he would have got Dame spot on third team. Like, he, for sure. No like, question. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think he probably could have made second team. Well, let's just go through the, the teams, right? First team, Shea Gilders, yeah, Alexander, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and Giannis. Second team, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, Jalen Brown. Third team, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Julius Randle, Demondis Bonus. Now, from Ja's standpoint, I see, I think he could have made it over Dame. I really think he could have made it over Donovan Mitchell, too. Just because, not, not to say Donovan Mitchell gets kicked out, but maybe he moves down to third team. I, I understand why Dame made it because Dame had an awesome season, but I just feel like you have to hold hold it accountable that he got shut down at the end of the year because they weren't even trying, like they weren't even competing for the play-in. You know what I mean? And it's hard for me to put somebody on an All NBA team as great of as great of a player as Damian Lillard is. He's an amazing player, and I know people are going to come. Oh, you know, it's an individual. It's an individual award, yes. But if your individual impact is not impacting winning, like that is something that has to be taken into account. But I also think going into the whole Ja like losing money, I think the fact that all NBA is built into like the contract structures is very like uh, this kind of is weird to me. Like, I, I don't really understand exactly why they did that. Cause you got to keep in mind, like these are a hundred media members that have made these decisions. And then, you know, you're messing up people's money. Like talk about Mark Jackson today. Uh, didn't vote for Nikola Jokic for MVP and just said he made a mistake. And I'm like, dude, like I get it. Like people mess up, but like, let's God forbid that that was the vote that somebody needed to put them on the supermax, and you were like, "Oh, I was voting for the wrong thing." Sorry. Like, luckily that didn't happen in this, but it's like the fact that somebody making a mistake or something like that could impact somebody making like forty million more dollars, or somebody who like there's people that probably haven't even watched a lot of Grizzlies games as oh we're not even thinking about Jock because they take people from across the country so I know that not to say that it's unfair the way that the voting I think the voting is fine but I think the fact that you have these 100 media members that vote right from all across the country and they can determine and basically decide somebody's contract I think that can be an issue I think that's an issue and I think they're going to have to look into that I know they haven't really changed anything about it but it's it's kind of it's ridiculous when you really sit there and think that like because I feel like if the Grizzlies want to give Josh Supermax, why not like just let him do it? Like I feel like that's how it works in most of the other leagues. But this whole like oh and like the the qualifications, right? So you oh, you either have to make first team or, or you have to make it in your fourth year or make it twice in your first four years. And it's like, dude, it's it's so weird, like all the different stipulations that they have on it. Uh, and it's like only in certain years it counts and all that. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into it that I think it can get kind of confusing for people. Uh, but basically, Ja didn't make All-NBA, so he is going to be making less money per year over the next five years on this deal. And it's 
Not going to save the Grizzlies money. Alex, I'll let you go into it because you were talking about it, I know, before the show, too, is it doesn't necessarily save them money in terms of being under the cap, but it does save them in payroll money when it comes to going into the luxury tax, which is a big thing that could happen this year. Yeah, so basically what I was talking about on Twitter, because I was saying climbing needs to you know, be serious and do some more moves this summer. What I mean by the money, you have more money. It's not necessarily they're going to have more money to spend. They're going to have the same money, like MLE money, and their cap, and they're still going to make a trade to match salaries. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, they make a trade for, I don't know, like a like a OG Ananobi. I know we keep bringing him up, but he just makes a lot of sense. So I'm sorry for all these OG Ananobi theories, but like just he he works for this example. Let's say, because he's a, he's a free agent next year, right? So let's say you get OG Ananobi on this team. Probably if you get OG Ananobi on this team, they probably don't have a deal worked out in terms of an extension because they're not just going to trade for somebody for one year and give up all, a lot of assets for him if they not, know he's not going to stay. So with that being said, they're probably going to have an extension already lined up. If He might get paid a lot more money because obviously we'll have his bird rights and things of that nature. But because of Ja getting underpaid now, and also you pay, underpaid Jaren because he's on declining money, and we also don't know how Desmond Bain's contract will return. And obviously, he'll get somewhere like Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole, like that type of money. But even then, in that aspect, like they'll still like they'll probably dip into the tax, but it won't be as big of a tax bill as some other teams. And my thing is, I'm not saying they got to have a big tax bill. Like I, I got it up right now. Luxury tax wise, they don't got to be the Golden States and the Clippers of the world. Like they're paying 169 million and 140 million in tax. But when you go through this number, like the luxury tax, like the teams that are in it, five of the five of the eight teams that are in the luxury tax, like are still playing right now. Like Denver, Golden State, Boston, L.A., Phoenix. Like and now granted, some of it can't be controlled by the Grizzlies because of their just team being young. But uh, climate really hasn't spent money like that crazy in the free agency. He's usually t- taking on money to get assets. Like he's taking on like Steven Adams contract to get, a, you know, to move up or like when they had to take on Solomon Hills, money, like stuff like that, they usually take on money instead of spending it. So I, I would encourage them to expend the money now because this is a perfect time to improve your roster. Because once you start getting all those contracts get kicking in the first three guys, like Josh contract kicks in, I think next season or the season after, I think it's next season. Jaren's already kicked in. Baines will be the season after. So you got once they contracts are all kicked in, you're not going to have that much flexibility anymore. Now you're going to really have to depend on what you've been doing is drafting guys and making sure, you know, drafting guys at like back in and around, which I trust them to do. They could draft 30th, 45th. Like I still think they'll get a good player. But my point is your margin of error gets slimmer. So you want to take advantage of this offseason and possibly the next offseason to really improve your roster while you can. Um, because Again, if you it's just you can't be cheap. And and now I know we said, you know, Robert Pear has said he's not he he's willing to spend money. He's like I think the second richest owner. So I'm not worried about him spending money, but I am saying like, hey, like it's is that time to do it. Like you can't just say, Oh, we're gonna be under the tax or this and that. Like it's about time to reflect like gonna win. I think the last two, three teams that have won the championship were luxury taxpayers. Like, it just is what it is. It's part of it. You got to spend money to win in this game. It's just, that's the game. So, you know, I advise the Grizzlies to spend wisely. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that they will. I like I think Robert Perry, like like we said, he has said in the past that he will be willing to go into the sacks when it comes time. And now is the time. And I think that, you know, Jock getting snubbed is as as much as you know you hate it for him, he, he's gonna like like you said, he's gonna be all right. He's gonna get his money. He's gonna he's still gonna get his money. I mean, he's still gonna be making one hundred and ninety four million over the next five years. Uh he's still gonna be one of the higher higher paid players in the NBA. And I think that just overall, it's it should be more fuel for him, not just in terms of, you know, to get better, but also fuel for him to kind of remember, like, what's at stake when it comes to some of this off the court stuff. And and, and like I said, whether you want to get into it was right or wrong about them snubbing him like that, like when it comes to this, if I'm talking to Josh, like it doesn't really matter if they're right or wrong. It happens. Right. And it happened because of something you did. So that's something that he's going to have to think about going forward. Uh, but before we end, before we end this episode, we got we got one last topic, and it's because we're both big on the Macau Bridges train. We're, we're both on the Macau Bridges train. Macau Bridges to Memphis. Now, I'm, we're going. I'm gonna go ahead and preface this. Will Macau Bridges be a Grizzly next year? Probably not. He probably won't. He could be. He probably won't. But just the little stuff that we've seen the last couple of days is making me think that maybe he would like to be in Memphis. And I think that's I think that's a good thing. N- not to say that he's going to be there, but if they decided to make this trade or they decided to move some assets to go after a guy like Mikhail Bridges to basically be the Dylan Brooks replacement. We'll start with this, right? On Twitter, we've seen some of his interactions. We saw his interaction with Desmond Bain today. Uh, where he was laughing. Uh, we saw Ja was liking his tweets the other day. Macau liked one of my tweets the other day that was about the whole Dylan Brooks thing. So I was like, okay, so he's he's looking for grizzly stuff. We know, like, and I, I really think it could just be them being friendly. You know, Ja and Desmond Bain and Macau and all them, I think it could just be them kind of being friendly. But you know how NBA Twitter is, and in the comments of that, I saw like three or four pictures of McCall in a Grizzlies jersey. I saw people being like, "Come to Memphis." They, they had they they already had the trade machine up. The screenshots were there. They were ready to ship people out. And I'll say this: if there is a trade for McCall Bridges, that like I don't even I don't even know what to say is reasonable. But if you can trade for McCall Bridges without giving up Josh Aaron or Bain, then I think you do it every time. Like a, a, as much as a lot of like, I know that they've been all in on youth and everything. And maybe you don't want to give up on a guy like Jake LaRavia too early or a guy like Zaire who has shown potential. Like these are guys who have shown potential and I get all of that. And not to say that if they keep those guys, they're never going to be good. They Zaire Williams might be a really solid player in like three or four years. But even if that does become, even if that is the case and he becomes like a solid, you know, bench role player, I think if you use a guy like that to get Mikhail Bridges, you're not going to regret it. Especially when you see the way that he played since he got to the Nets and they gave him the ball a lot more. Not really sure exactly how his role would be. I, I still think he'd probably be more like the third or fourth option, kind of like he was in Phoenix. So we'll see if maybe that's something he doesn't want to do. Maybe he wants to keep trying to be the first option somewhere. Uh, but this is a guy we've seen that 
as basically the third or fourth option, he can be he he can contribute to winning on a level that can take your team to the finals. Right. Because, I mean, he's been in the finals. He's done it before. He's been through multiple playoff series. And he's also a guy that plays. He plays a lot of games. And that's something the Grizzlies need. He played 83 games this year, which is just they if you didn't know, they only played 82 games in the season and he played 83. So the Suns had already played an extra game when he got traded to the Nets. So it was it was or something like that. The Suns had played more games than the Nets when he got traded. So he ended up playing 83 games this season. So that's that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, and also to your games play thing, he really had like missed a game in like years. Like it's like oh he missed one because he got traded, but like he ain't, like in terms of like injury wise, like he hasn't missed a game. Like it's been like a crazy run for him. But uh, in terms of Macau, yeah, also forgot to mention if I'm not mistaken, if I'm correct, yeah, he's also the same class as Jaren. He went ten, Jaren went four. I think they, I'm pretty sure they friends too. So. Man, he friends everybody on his team. I mean, well, he's friends with the people that are going to be here. Let's just say that. And, I mean, obviously, getting Macau, like you were talking about, if that were a thing, uh, it's like you said, talking about being an option. It's really about kind of looking at what Denver has and that being the model or the vision where you have a superstar-level talent and then you have two through four. Basically, your best players can give you 20 on every given night. Like, if you go look at Denver, Jamal Murray can give you 20. Porter can give you 20, Aaron Gordon can give you 20. Like, that would be the kind of division that you would have with Ja, Jaron, Bain, and Macau, or whoever they get at that fourth spot. That would really be the vision, or should be the vision for them. But, I mean, Macau would be great. I mean, obviously, because he's already proven. Like, you know, a guy that obviously the impact of winning. He's made a first-team all-defense. Um, so, he's an all-defensive player. And, I mean, he's – He's older, but he's still young, so he fits the timeline. It's not like he's old, like, you know, super old. Like, he's 26. You know what I mean? So he's right in the prime of his career. And obviously, he's on a good contract, too. Like, he's on a crazy – he's on a Jaren-type contract. I mean, I don't think his money's declining, but I think he's only making, like, $20 million a year, like, for the next three. So they probably would have to give up a lot of assets to get him. But um, I forgot what the saying is in terms of the picks. On Twitter, people be telling, like, forget them picks, basically, like, like that's basically what it. We might, uh, Alex. I think we might have a CeeLo Green situation here, but yeah, we'll say forget them picks for now. Yeah, forget the <laughs> picks. We'll say forget the picks for now. Yeah, exactly. We might, yeah, forget the picks to to put it lightly. Yeah, um, which I mean, the Grizzlies, like I said, they could trade three. They could trade three, four, five picks and still be fine because they draft very well. Like they find guys even the two ways, second round, they would be okay. But you know, I mean, I'm a hope for the best. I mean, I'm a Listen, if Macau's in Memphis, I'm going to be smiling. I'll be happy. Like I said, if, obviously, if you don't have to give up many of the big three, which I don't know. We'll see how Brooklyn is because, again, like even Climate said, it, it takes two teams to kind of trade. Like, mm-hmm. Grizzlies can want Macau Bridges, OG Ananobi, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, all these guys that they want. But if these teams like the Nets, like, I don't know, like maybe a Clippers or a Raptors don't want to trade with them or don't like the assets, they're just not going to happen. So, we know the Grizzlies are going to be active. I, I, I'm very confident in the Grizzlies being active this, this summer. I'm not worried about that. They did it the deadline. They're going to do it in the summer. It's just going to be about if the team's going to want to offer anything or, like, are going to be willing to listen to offers and actually go through with it. So we'll see. We'll, it'll be fun to see. You know, I know they'll be aggressive, so I'm, I'm hoping some good deals get done and they're yeah. working our favor. And we already know that Zach Kleiman was very – he was very, very aggressive at the deadline. And kind of the thing that you said, you know, it takes two teams to trade. You can offer stuff. But eventually, if they're not going to take it, you can only do so much. 
So I do think that th- this is going to be really the season for climbing to really take the next step. And I feel like just as a whole, I think getting a guy like Macau really shows that you're trying to take that next step to be a contending team. Uh, there, there's a lot of other options, and I'm sure that we're going to continue to talk about this throughout the free agency, uh, throughout the whole offseason until there is a replacement. So uh, a replacement for Dylan Brooks, who we know is probably not going to be there. Well, I say probably. We know he's not going to be. Probably, Yeah, he's not. But we'll see what happens. Like, he, he's not going to be there. They said he's not going to be there. But I don't know. With the stuff with the Grizzlies – I never really leave stuff out. I really like until until it's signed on the paper. I'm still gonna say we'll see what happens, but most likely not gonna be back. They got to get a replacement. I think Macau is the number one guy that you need. He's shown the shot creation ability. He's shown the ability to be a catch and shoot guy. He's a really good defender. Uh, been he's available, like we said. Which these are all the things that the Grizzlies are gonna need. Uh, I think if the Grizzlies had Macau Bridges, they might still be playing right now. Like, I, I'll say that. So there's a lot of other stuff that went into that, but he, he would have given them a much better chance in that series. So not to say that it was all on Dylan. Everybody had to play a lot better, I feel like. But I think that him being out there creates more spacing, all of that. It, it, it would have helped him a lot. So I think that that's a guy – we know they're, he's at the top of their list. They've already offered four first-round picks for him at the trade deadline. They'll probably offer even more first-round picks for him in the offseason. Who knows? that, that they It's, it's going to be crazy to see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be wild, man. I mean, I just – you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, know, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I know the Grizzlies will do something, but what are they going to do? There's so many – I'm not going to say so many options, but there's options. and. I'm not trying to get my hopes up on anybody. Macau, OG, because they could end up with, like, I don't know, Dory Finney-Smith or somebody they signed. And then I'm like, oh, man. But I'm not, you know, I, I at least want to see moves being made to where you're signaling to us that you're being serious. And no disrespect to the moves they made in the past, but if you go look at the moves, especially last year, they made moves in the sense of move. they moved like a team that was like, oh, we're we're close, but we're not, like, you know, like, we're still building, like not rebuilding, but like we're still naturally progressing. Is and they still are to some degree. But now it's starting to make moves where I can look at that move and be like, okay, so you're trying to actually win something now. Like, okay, you're not trying to just be cool with the linear progression thing, like you know, internal development. Like, no, you're trying to actually go for it. So that's what the moves I want to see. And again, that doesn't mean they gotta trade 15 draft picks. I'm not saying that, but I'm just simply saying there's a couple moves where, like with Luke. They clearly traded for Luke for two second, third rounder, or I said two second, yeah, two second rounder. I think two or three second rounders. Mm-hmm. And I think with Danny Green, and I granted second round don't sound like much, but like they usually don't do that, like at trading deadline. They didn't usually do that the last two three years. So that gives me hope that they're gonna do some some more this uh this offseason. So I'm I'm ready to see it. I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm not really worried. I trust the front office. I, I mean, I trust the organization. So. We're in better spots than most, so I'm going to continue to trust it until I have no reason not to trust it. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's the right place to be. Uh, but as always, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. Uh, for Bryson and Alex as your host, be sure to watch out. Next week, we are going to be moving to Wednesdays. We're going to be re- releasing on Wednesday. This is going to be coming out on a Friday. It's kind of a different day. Had a crazy kind of schedule this week. So 
going to be releasing starting on Wednesday, starting next week. So be ready for that. And also be sure to become a Bluff City Media Insider at bluffcitymedia.co. All of that. But for Bryson and Alex, we will see y'all on the next episode next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like and a comment wherever you download your podcasts. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co where you will find comprehensive coverage of all things Memphis sports and how you can become an insider. We'll see you back here next time.